to the fans of the show, I'm going to have to apologize because we didn't talk about Husaberg 570s. Even the bell's broken. We also didn't talk about recluse clutches. And, well, we did talk about climb gear, so there's something familiar in there. And Logan gives out some dating secrets, so stay tuned for that. This episode of Tech Talk Taco Tuesday is brought to you by Recluse. They are makers of super high-performance clutch components. Of course, they have their famous auto clutches. Better than that is they have all kinds of torque drive manual clutch parts as well if you want to get your motorcycle's clutch working just a little bit better. Now, we all know that a auto clutch can make you a little bit better rider, if not a much better rider, because it's one less thing you have to think of. But if you're a high-performance guy and you don't need any improvement in your clutch action that comes from your wrist, but you want improvement in your clutch action inside of your motorcycle, check out their torque drive manual clutch kits and some of the other little components that they have, including oil, that will have your bike clutching it better than you can imagine. Now here's the show. Live from Pahrump at 710. On the dot. On the dot. This is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. This is the show where Jimmy Lewis generally talks about himself, but we also talk about motorcycle and motorcycle-related products. You, whoa! Remember, we we were going, uh, Matt and I were going to talk about this. Remember why I recruited you as a co-host? Me? Yes. To talk when you're drinking. Okay, good. So why don't you do that? Um, this show is brought to you by Honda and their new 2021 Sierra 450R is designed to take you straight from the starting gate to Victory Circle. This awesome open-class motocrosser features all-new chassis, a major engine overhaul, new suspension, and new bodywork. You can forget about clutch fade, adjustment, or hand fatigue with the new hydraulic clutch system. Lighter than ever, a CRF 450R explodes out of corners when it's time to increase your lead. So go down to your local dealer and check out the 2021 Honda CRF 450R Go to mx.honda.com to see our full lineup of competition bikes. And the Sierra 450R is intended for closed course competition use only. That means it's rad, right, Logan? Yes. You've been practicing a little bit, right? Yeah. That was good. Yeah, well, that's good. I'm okay. That's one. That's a couple. There's a couple points back onto the docket from you know not having this completely set up. Because had it been completely set up, I would have rolled in like a rock star, just sat down and started rattling stuff off. Yes, that, that's the way it should be. I think. You know, I was on somebody else's podcast um, this morning. Um, my buddy Jesse. Wait, did I call him a buddy? Okay, my buddy Jesse Ziegler, who Bob can't figure out who my buddies are, and he confuses people. I don't know how. We'll get more to your confusion later. You got a haircut, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, you'd look good on camera <laughs> right now. Um, but uh, uh, they are doing a Dakar Daily podcast. Um, it's uh, through Cycle News, um, the weekly motorcycle magazine. And Jesse is doing, uh, and with Quinn Cody, who's another former Dakar racer. He's uh, the crusher. We call Quinn the crusher. I like to call him the crusher because he... He's a, one of KTM's um, uh, on-road street durability, uh, not really durable, street R&D side. He tests all, all the street and adventure bikes. 
And uh, so he is a former Dakar racer also. And then Jesse is a self-proclaimed Dakar nerd. And they talk about every morning, uh, they're talking about kind of what's going on and some really good insights. So all of the, I don't want to call them stupid questions, but all of the questions that, that people ask me all the time, they're doing a really good job of answering it. So, um, and they've had some uh, awesome guests, of course me, um, but they had this, um, was named Rick? Ricky, Ricky Bray, Braybeck. Yeah, he was on it. I, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah, he was on it. And uh, Johnny Campbell might have been on it. No idea who that is. Yeah, that guy. Never heard of him. <laughs> um, anyways, they actually have, and, and listen to this right now, Skylar Howes today is leading the overall general classification of the Dakar rally. Mm. Skylar's a Utah kid, um, is riding a really super smart race um putting himself in the right position and it's paying off yeah it's like a this year's like a teeter-totter on the dakar and and i ex- talk about that a little bit when when i went on there um because i explain how to use magic mm-hmm. in in your when you when you go to dakar you need to have all these skill sets and i i teach magic that you use to go do it. So if you want to know about that, check out their, uh, their podcast and we will, uh, we'll all be smarter for it is what I like to say. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Logan, what's new? Um, not much, not much. That's good. That was that, yeah. uh, that, that, um, I, I had a question from Heather. Heather, um, at wanted me to ask you a question. Yeah. She wanted to know if, when we passed you, when you were up on the hill, smoochy smoochy on your dirt bike because you know i know how you do it you use the dirt bike to pull the chicks and you got your chicks and you're out in the hill she wanted to know when you guys were sitting on the bike because we kind of went by a little bit fast were you doing that thing where the girl is sitting in front of you facing you no no you, you sure that's what heather saw heather said heather said that you were on the bike like normal riding it and the girls turn around backwards facing you no. No. Oh, it was that. It was happening, Heather. You called it. <laughs> uh, good on you. So, um, man, Logan just uh, killing it. <laughs> so, uh, Dallas, that's what's up with Logan. <laughs> Everybody wanted to know. <laughs> he's he's uh, doing out there doing some dirt bike riding with his bad knee. Um, Matt, what's up with you? Uh, been uh, coding a lot coding yeah so matt is working on this project mm-hmm. super top secret very top secret it's, we were working on it today oh yeah i was working on it with you i already forgot no yeah. i <laughs> i have this um uh riding school riding, I, I riding think so school. yeah I think and, that's what we call it and we're we're building something for the riding school it's mm-hmm. the future yeah so stay tuned um yeah stay tuned exactly um we there might even be a youtube channel mm-hmm. and a live show and a podcast Something like that. It's coming. It's all coming. Yeah. It's not this. It's different. Because somebody told me that this should be part of the school, but it's, I mean, this is educational, but it's, this is about, what's this show about? Dirt bikes and dirt bike related products. One of these days, it will, it'll be just like clockwork. You should have seen us. So the reason I'm late, here's the reason I'm late, is I was at a, um, I was appointed to a OHV motorcycle or you know ohv i gotta get the name of the commission right but it's it's a it's a track we're gonna build a track a motocross track in front motorcycle track ohv track utvs and everything atvs we have um the land has been uh given to us to do it 
uh, it's on the county fairgrounds. Um, we have we have mo- uh, money coming in from the OHV grant fund. Uh, we have matching money from the county commission. It's almost three hundred thousand dollars. So we have a really good opportunity to um, build a facility that could be really, 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 really nice. And I was lucky enough to to get chosen to be on that committee. And I'm going to make sure that we uh, do it for the kids, Logan. Yeah. Because you guys need a place to go show off, and that's that's and what do wheelies. I, that's literally what I told. I mean, that's one of the things I told the the. The, the group when I was there, I'm, I said, I said that we needed this for the kids because, you, you know, when you're that age, you, you want to go do, you want to go do your motorcycle thing. But if all your buddies and stuff are watching everything and that's a great place to go do it. And there's a track you can go show off there. You can ride and uh, like-minded people and, and do all your craziness in a, in a good, safe, controlled environment. Uh, and it's not on my front street. <laughs> so when they do catch you out in my street doing a willy, they can write you a ticket because you should have been at the motocross track. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. So, uh, anyways, that's uh, that's why I was. Uh, that's why we were running a little bit late. I'm doing doing it for the kids, and uh, good to see everybody out there. Hey, uh, you know that Dennis guy? He says Alaska is signing on. Oh yeah, he's coming. He says he's coming to the class on yeah. January. I, I I think I might just miss him. He he's coming down. I think uh, late next week, if I right. remember right. And I'm going up. Yeah, good to Reno next week. Good to see you, Dennis. Grab Matt on the way through. Just swing out a hook out of the plane and just uh, bring him back down. Um, we got uh, Dal Steelbalds in there. Cameron Coatney's up there. Uh, <laughs> they want he wanted to know what's the holdup. Cameron, I'm doing it for the kids. You think a school teacher would understand this? The kids are more important than this podcast. <laughs> Although we don't, you know, none of the kids watch this thing. How come we can't get more kids watching this? You know, young adults, I mean. Because it's boring? Because uh, it does not involve shooting zombies. Shooting zombies. If we had shooting zombies on the screen behind us, like, okay. I, I think don't... Logan and I could do could do a show where we're just, where we're just going, at, going at it on a game. You guys shooting zombies, and I'll just talk motorcycle BS. That'll give the eyes something to do, and everybody... Because these gamers, I see them on the, the online, oh, and they get huge they, followings. They pull huge money. Not 42. We got 42. It's well, pretty good, though. Well, they pull, like... Some of them will pull, like, 42,000. What do you learn? <laughs> mm. It's entertainment. It's a generational thing. Yeah, me and Matt watched a YouTube video, and I just couldn't help but putting my finger on the screen and swiping. Just get... get make the, Come on, get to the point. But that was dirt bikes. I know, but it was bad advice, dirt bikes. It was. Stay um, tuned to our project. Stay tuned to the project. Um, Kelly Fager says, sucks to hear about Shorty. What are your thoughts? I'm going to bed now, so I'll listen to this podcast if it ever gets uploaded. I think that's a slam at you, Logan. Yep. He did good Dude, last week. Logan slayed it last week. He was here early, got to work. Actually, I was running around doing other stuff. He came, asked the questions, got it knocked out, and... Uh, Good, high quality, and good time. That's that's a that's a win win. So uh, Kelly, uh, yeah, Andrew Short, um, he was running up in the top top fifteen, and because it's it was seesawing, it's crazy what's going on in that Dakar rally. Mm-hmm. And he got uh, water in the gas. He he came to a fuel stop, and then all the fuels provided by the organization, and he pulled up to. He pulled up to one of the guys. There's a guy there with a barrel and a, and a pump, and the guy filled his gas tanks up. And lo and behold, a few kilometers later, bike stops running. And interesting, Chris Reel sent me some good information that, that I'm going to talk about with this. Actually, I could probably go right into it. I don't know if some of you 
there was another piece of paper. Uh, oh, oh, that's it was. Is it on that one? I don't think it's on that one. There's another piece of paper sitting on top of the printer. That's um, so he sent me two really good bits of information. One was about uh, water and uh, no, and um, it's no, it's not. Oh yeah, here yeah, this is the first part. One. Yeah, he he gives me. Uh, for some real chemical basics, <laughs> and that, that's his name. Um, gasoline is significantly less dense than water, and this accounts for the weight difference between a gallon of gasoline and a gallon of water. Gasoline will float on top of water, and that is why gasoline and water separates, and the water will, quote, pool or accumulate in containers. So temperature cycling Cycling also promotes the separation. In general, gasoline expands when warm and contracts when cold. This actually pushes the water out of suspension and it accumulates at the bottom of the container. So if there was a little bit of contamination in the gas and, and what happens is so it's in that it's in the the fuel drum, the water goes to the bottom and Andrew that's where it draws out of. And Andrew may have been the first guy to that guy because he was running up in the front. He was the first guy to go to that guy's fueling station. And that guy filled him up with gas, and Andrew got a bunch of water. And it, and when he pumps it, it spills and it mixes and it spits and it stirs around. And then all it took was a little while for it to start settling down, and then it probably got into the fuel pumps. Um, so Chris also continues, many fuel filters, specifically the ones used for fuel injection engines, will not flow water. So get this, fuel filters that don't flow water. I know this because... We actually tested this thing called a Google Tech filter, which is like a pre-filter, which, man, now I wish Andrew would have had, you know, not, you know, you're not supposed to get water in a gas, but it'll actually, you pour gas with water in it and it'll literally separate out all of the water. You pour gas through it and it's a, it's a, like a sock that you're pouring gas through and it'll literally suck all the water out. So you'll end up with a bag with a bunch of dirty water at the bottom after you pour like a couple of gallons of gas through it. And so he's saying that there's filters like this that are around a lot of the uh, OEM fuel filters. And he says, this is a design feature that is intended to keep water from damaging the fuel pump. The damage is typically caused by the water not providing lubricity lubricity to the fuel pump. And in many cases, water will actually block the filter and the fuel injector. So just depends on you know the, the the design and especially in a high performance bike those fuel injectors do not like other things than other than gas going through them so anyways chris continues in some of my assignments we go to extreme measures to minimize the gasoline water contamination and this requires significant diligence most of the time we use a mechanical countermeasure and do not have the fuel pickup on the absolute bottom of the tank or do we use the last bit of gas in a drum or a fuel can? So um, that's because the the last bit of gas, you know, it's heavier. It won't flow down there. But but you got to imagine, like I said, when you're putting a, a barrel pump inside of a drum, it reaches down to the bottom. And if that gas had been contaminated, it'd be easy for it to suck it up. Andrew wasn't the only one affected. He was just the one that was catastrophically affected. Um, and it's, I mean, it, 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 it like I'm literally pained because I saw how much work that that guy put into preparing and going to Dakar and how his race was going according to plan, which the the past few years he's, he's always had some problems in the beginning. Um, some of them just from, you know, being new to this and, and some of them from just, uh, you know, not understanding, but he studied and, and trained and practiced and did everything to put himself in the, in a great position. And then this, and so, 
this is rally and and man he's been holding his head up high and i mean literally just in i chatted with him a little bit and it pissed me off i mean i got mad i mean i was mad because i know you know Ugh. it's like mm-hmm. gosh it's not fair you know but hey so uh anyhow um yeah crazy so yeah i'm bummed uh i wish that uh yeah, I don't think it's any sort of, you know, there's no theory or anything behind it. They just, it was water in the gas and he got the, the short end of the stick. There's there's Instagram photos and stuff that show how much water was in there. And and I know from experience because I don't, when we were out here training, one day he lost his gas cap on one of his rear tanks. And so we taped it all up and he rode the rest of the, the he rode a couple of days because he didn't have the tank. Then he'd flown back home and he had another cap that he because it's a special cap he brought it back with him when he came back one of the other times to train and instead of just throwing the cap back on he tore that gas tank off and we pulled the fuel pump out and he uh, we i stood around and watched he did all this stuff on his own him and i think uh um actually it was it was eric side turner or kendall you know because they were mm-hmm. out here too and they they all kind of worked on it pulled but andrew knows how to work on that bike and he's he, he's you think motocross super guy, supercross guy pampered? No, he 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 did it all himself. He knew how to do it, yeah. and and I guarantee you because I talked to him and he was t- saying he was he was direct wiring the pumps and trying to get everything to work and tried everything he could. And I think short of being able to get that gas that that water out of the tank successfully, he tried everything he possibly could have to to get going again. And I don't know what support infrastructure um yamaha had do they have a do they have quote a fast support car you know mm-hmm. a car with parts in it or you know at that point you know i'm not even sure if he was aware of, if it was water you know you just you know i can i know what that's like in fact my bmw that i raced in dakar had clip-on float bowls on the carburetors mm-hmm. we ran um bing carburetors because they had float bowls with a big metal clip and it took 20 seconds to unclip it dump it out and clip it back on because the gas we got in Africa was so bad sometimes. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple times where you take off out of a fuel stop and 20 minutes of boop, 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 like that. And you just go clip it, dump it, clip, pop it back on. And all of a sudden it's running good. Huh. So, you know, we're, <laughs> we're in a modern era and mm-hmm. you just don't expect gas like that. But, um, man, uh, what a tough, uh, what a tough yeah. guy. The theory is they got Andrew confused with the hydrogen guy or something. <laughs> No, I don't think so. Uh, I uh, let's see. Um, anyways, thanks. Uh, you guys passed the last hour of work. Oh, I get you through work. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> thanks. Um, also, let's see. Cameron Cotney, why are the leaders having trouble? Well, leading Dakar <laughs> navigation too difficult this year. Is that hindering the leaders much? Um, trail breakers too much. So, Cameron, for sure, listen to Jesse's podcast as they go into this in detail. But I'll give you the the quick one because I, you know, I don't hate talking about racing, but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> we're we're talking about racing. So the reason it's seesawing so much or penduluming so much is because the organization has. Put an with with they they told you they were going to do this. They told us we were going to do this. They put an emphasis on navigation, but navigation is only tough for the first few guys because after that they figure it out, and then you sort of get this this collective group of guys that are able to navigate, and the pack mentality starts picking the right trail. In other words, if one guy goes wrong and a couple guys go right, then the next guys tend to go more right. So for the first guys, yes, they're navigating. And they're showing how difficult it is, 
But as the guys that are starting 20 and 30 and 40 minutes back, and there's a staggered start in the beginning, they start every three minutes. And then after the top, I think it's the top 10. So after 30 minutes, they start starting them every two minutes and then so on. So it gets a little more congested. So when you start really far back, you don't even have to listen, you know, read the road book. And even Skylar talked about this today. He's like, you know, he kind of said, I haven't even been looking at the map book. I've been just checking, you know, just following tracks. Yeah. Ricky Brabeck every other day has to open the course. Joan Breda has uh-huh. to open the course. Toby Price has to open the course. Mm-hmm. You know, they they have to make all the decisions. And then you can see that if you watch the trackers, you watch them slowly get into a pack of about four or five riders that are out in the front opening. Mm-hmm. And then the guys behind just slowly start catching up. And they and there's little sections of navigation and then pin it. So you can watch it get tricky. They bunch up. And then you see that bunch take off. And then you see all the guys get closer to them. Mm-hmm. And then they all go the same speed on the easy stuff. And then, it, and then they bunch up and they get closer and the pack gets bigger. Yeah. And nobody wants to lead out. You don't want to start in the first five because that's right. 15 minutes. And 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 you look, essentially today, Ricky and, and Juan opened all day long. They were mm-hmm. up in that lead group, but they had five or six other guys yeah, <laughs> yeah. with them, which is the guys that started, you know, three minutes, six minutes back. So Ricky started three minutes back of Juan mm-hmm. and, then, and then three minutes back more. They all packed up. So you think, oh, well. You know, he got beat by 20 some odd minutes. Well, the guy that beat him never even saw him. Yeah. He yeah. still finished 20 minutes behind them on the course, mm-hmm. but he made up 20 minutes in that in that in that gap. So right. it's strategy. And then there's the guys that have been sitting in the middle, you know, like Andrew was like Skylar were that 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 are never really opening, but then they're not far enough back to have to really run through the dust and they yeah. don't and nobody really knows the pace because the guy like Ricky who loses all that time. He's lost twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and he's got to he's got to pin it to make that back. Yeah, and that puts him in front the next day, and then, you're, and then it, he's because, gonna because you don't know where you don't know how fast the front guys went, but you sure yeah. don't want to slow down, right? Because you need to make up time, and you don't want to be up front. So it's this cat and mouse uh, strategy, and I think it's going to yeah. change a little bit because we're getting out of the out of the sand dunes. We're going to have a little more dust, um, a little other other things. I I you know. It's still, it's a long race. And I, I say it doesn't really, the real race doesn't start until the day after the rest day. And, and we'll, we'll start seeing, but that's kind of, that's kind of my thoughts on, um, is it too early to, uh, predict a winner? Um, for me, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there's just, I, I was, I am, I'm absolutely surprised that, that a lot of guys haven't crashed out the quote rabbits or the hares. Right. Um, haven't taken off. And, mm-hmm. and I think everybody's getting, smarter they have smart people working on their teams they're you know it's obvious that that the ktm decided that today was the day that they wanted to start from the back and mm-hmm. move forward they strategized their whole race from it i think yeah. ricky was on ricky decided the other way i want to i want to i want to be you know in there that's why they're teeter-tottering mm-hmm. and I, I don't know i haven't really spoke to them about their strategy and stuff yet mm-hmm. but um i i also think and and i just know from from th- that they also know that the, that they're just maintaining right now we're just we're just trying to get to the point where we can really start racing because mm-hmm. with the tire rule you know the top riders only get six tires mm-hmm. which is a tire every other day yeah. um with that and you know strategizing between how the tires are going to work out and everybody just seeing how it is because all we are going on is basically what the organization told us and they said navigation was going to be trickier but we didn't know how because when you have a 400k stage you have to get people to finish mm-hmm. and if it's tricky for 400ks 
Right. Nobody's going to finish. That's going to be, that's going to, if, if we did 400 Ks out here, it's mm-hmm. 14 hours yeah. of navigating at, at our stuff. That's, and that's tricky navigation. Mm-hmm. So this has little sections of tricky with really high speed in between. And the bikes are on a speed limit too, which is also crazy. They, I think they're limited at 120 kilometers an hour. Oh, really? Yeah. I think there's, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I think there's a, there's a terminal speed limit that they have that they're not allowed to go over. Huh. So, um, Again, I don't follow the exact specific rules, but I think that's, I, I knew somebody said they had problems with speed limits today. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you get out in these flats and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, really good to, really good to see all the, all the, the guys. It's awesome to see an American at top. Um, and, and especially with Skyler, who's, um, he's, he's on a good bike this year. He's on a, he's on a, it, like I call it a sub factory bike. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, he's over there kind of, um, he's, <laughs> he's not making any money doing this. Yeah. He's, he, I heard him when he talked on the thing, you know, that, that, that he's, uh, he sold everything to go again. And that's, that's putting it out there. And I know Quinn used to do that. And mm-hmm. these guys are, you know, they're, they're living for the dream. I, I was, I sold I think I sold my soul. I didn't sell everything I had. I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't that desperate, but yeah. maybe my maybe my soul. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, um, let's see. Uh, thanks for. Oh, Rusty Neil got his Honda Honda T-shirt. Yeah, good job. Glad it made it. Um, it took a lot to to get it out there. Um, uh, they ask if the prompt facility will have a flat track. It's like, I have a flat track in my backyard. I call it the, I have the home, home track advantage and I don't know, necessarily need to work on one there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Be nice. Flat track's good for everybody. I thought, um, they tried doing some flat track races out at the, uh, speedway out here. I think they did. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's, 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 uh, not that popular of a, of a sport only for just a select few. Cause they, mm-hmm. shh, it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Logan, you were going to say something? Mm-hmm. Um, we also call the flat track Area 52. Area 52, that's right. Why Area 52? I don't know this. Actually, we changed it. It's Area 62. No, wait, 52, 60. I don't remember. We we came up because the address of the property was because was it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. Uh Okay, first question about the Husky 501. Uh, thumbs down club. How does the engine compare to the KTM EXCF? Same? So he's asking about the Husky 501 uh, versus the uh, KTM uh, EXC. So this is this this is kind of in parallel, whether it's the 501. God, what do they call the? So it's, it's not the FE, it's the, or it's the, FE, what's the intro? FEE is the so I, I think it might just be F FE. FE. So it's the so it's the KTM versus Husky, you know, the 500 CC, the EXC 500. How do they compare? In all honesty, I think the Husky and the EXC, because the EXC has the PDS suspension, a little different airbox boot, it feels like the Husky makes just a little bit more power. Um, a little bit, I want to say it's a little bit smoother. And just a little bit more power, but other than that, they're essentially they're essentially the same. Uh, they're it's I think the air you know that's that's how sensitive these bikes are. Is you change the airbox boot a little bit, and they run a little bit different. And that's the only difference between those two bikes as far as the uh, engine uh, the engine system. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, less death, 
69. Jimmy, is there a point in washing your dirt bike if it's only ridden in dry desert conditions? I don't lube my X chain, X ring chain, so no crud collects on it. I'm falling to see the point in drowning my bike, drowning my dirt bike just to remove the find us plata plant. So, Matt, you want to you want to answer this question? <laughs> what did I make you do yesterday? Well, he made me rinse off bikes and do air filters. <laughs> he didn't complain either, Logan. He asked, he, you know what he asked me? He said, how come Logan's not here doing this? That's like, you know, we're just working down the, the pecking order, but he Logan didn't go riding with us. Logan didn't get to enjoy brand new dirt bikes that got dirty filters, so... Logan wasn't here to wash them, but I mean, I'd like to see Logan here washing dirt bikes. See, I thought I had finally outgrown the wa- ma- uh, oh. washing the bikes and maintaining the bikes. Picking on picking on the young kid again, huh? It's like, yeah. oh yeah, the like you know lower lower class. Yeah, you know, washed it. Well, that's what I just did to you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, well, uh, I figured I owed you for the gas. So and what what was the one thing I told? I, I did mention you something about the washing. I said one thing. Remember. It was mostly about the KTM 500. Yeah, uh, hit the hit the forks. Like, well, no, I wash said, the forks. I said, well, I said wash the suspension because the suspension is going away. It's going to yeah. Kreft, by the way. It went away in a big box today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to come back and see what a lot of money does to KTM stock KTM suspension. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested because these guys, like I said, they were nerds when I talked to them. They have really cool high tech components, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna I I'm really interested to see what that does because they have some stuff that's pretty pretty unique. So. Um, go to Creftmoto, Creftmoto.com, Creft.com. Yeah, check mm-hmm. check them out. They they're they're actually coming on as supporters, and I I, I want to be able to, to know about their stuff and be able to talk about it. But I'm so far impressed. I mean, they sent a really nice box. You just drop the suspension, and these foam cutouts. It's it's like factory so far. Oh, really? I've just sent my suspension away, and it's already factory. So it's a super <laughs> good. They they called up the guy that I talked to is really knowledgeable and and. Uh, you know, sent me the quote, told me this is this is what we're going to do. This is what it costs. The only the only thing I'm scared about mm-hmm. this is the only thing I'm scared about. We'll get back to the bike washing in a minute. Is that the previous owner of that bike is not very good at revealing to me what may or may not have been done to those components. Um, he's he's a he's a known tinkerer and and he will tinker with stuff. And maybe Bob, do you forget? Like what you do to things, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so it was Bob's bike, the one that I bought from him, and and it had two hundred something hours on it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, that's what it said. Um, Shock. He's claiming never been rebuilt, just a spring. I just changed springs. Oh, that's against my religion. That is so far deep into it should have been serviced. So, so tell me. I didn't know. I, I didn't. It was you owned the bike until I got it. But do I tell you you need to? No, if you, if you were if, gonna buy it, you should have told me to service the shop. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so so the good thing is here's here's the, here's the good thing is that they will tear this apart mm-hmm. and that's going to stink up their whole shop. Oh, that's not good. So yeah. So because you you should really service your suspension. I would say. 50 hours on the long side, you know, 50, maybe you can get a, maybe you can get 70 or hundred if you're taking it easy, but I'm just going to mm-hmm. say on the long side, 50 hours, it's a, it's like your engine oil. It's, it's getting a lot of use in there. So they're going to open this thing up and they're going to think it's going to clear. They're, the shop. Well, they're going to, they're going to go. This guy 
is like supposed to be evaluating our stuff and he runs our stuff to this level of crap. (laughs) So (laughs) thanks, Bob. Thanks. Thanks for increasing my, I did, I did try to communicate to him. Like I just bought this bike. I went out and I rode it. Um, I made some adjustments to bring it back to where I liked it with the stock stuff. And I could, I was, I was amazed at how, uh, I want to say how well it worked for being that old, for having that much time on it. You know, it just didn't didn't feel as worn out as I think something with that length of time should have. But I'm sure inside. <laughs> when I'm riding, the shock shaft moves very slowly. Yeah, just very like very you. Slowly. Yeah, very mm-hmm. the shock moves very slowly, just like Bob. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So okay, back to back to bike washing. Well, I'm guessing if you're bringing it up, I'm guessing I didn't wash the. No, wash you, no, you washed it fine. But what did I tell? What did I tell you about when you were washing it? That the. the don't blast water into the seals. Yeah. Yeah. Just go, go light on. So it kind of, to the question about the washing the bikes, it kind of, it kind of depends on, you know, you don't need to, you know, my, my father-in-law, I mean, his bikes look like they're painted with creosote bushes. They've just got this brown coating on it because he never washes them. Mm -hmm. And, 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 they're they're not leaking oil and stuff, so there's really no dust and stuff on them. Uh, it's just well, it's a little bit of dust and no, can, you know, there are piles like around the counter shaft sprocket and little spots. But I don't think you need to. It just depends on. I like washing them because it gives me a good chance to look closely at the bike, and I can see where it might be seeping a little oil, or you know, if this bolt's loose or that bolt's loose. Oh yeah, the the triple clamp bolts fell out. Uh, you torqued them improperly. Uh, I found that out when I came back yeah that's right (laughs) (laughs) so uh um yeah yeah. (laughs) i i suspect they were because i'm sure i looked before that i the last time i wrote it but they were they were not in the bike when i came back from the last suspension uh tuning i know they were the time before but the last time the bottom triple clamp bolts on one side were out so, um, well, luckily the warranty was only about 10 yeah, no warranty. I did sign yeah. a paper about no warranty. Uh, so yeah, if you, you don't need to wash it, um, but it, there's, there's really no need. You're, I just basically had you do it mostly. I said kind of to clean the dust off. So when you do the filters and stuff, the dust doesn't fall in. Mm-hmm. And other than that, and I need them to look pretty cause you know, they're in my garage and I want them to look super pretty like all of my bikes like that i don't wash that often uh, as i said your bikes look pretty Mm-mm. um well also we need to do photos with uh a couple of those bikes still uh don't we yeah yeah they need to be photoed and, mm-hmm. and in reality i wash my bikes a lot i don't make them look pretty like if graphics like like the the beta is shedding its graphics yeah and i today it was bothering me because that piece was flapping around so i just washed with a knife and cut it mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean i don't think you're going to salvage that graphic so. no it wasn't going to be salvaged and i'm not going to put another one on there just yet i mean mm-hmm. i might i might do i mean i, I want to do like kind of a long-term test on that bike yeah yeah and and i will talk about how the bike kind of you know it's it's not impregnated they're old school graphics and they're kind of peeling off and it and it was like so i just walked up and because i don't look at them when i ride them mm-hmm. i just ride them I know yeah, other yeah. people look at them and that that if it hurts your eyes that's your problem so, we, hey, we're all different. And there's other mm-hmm. people that can, you know, they, there's other, like Big John showed up on a ride with his bike. It looked showroom. Mm-hmm. It was so nice. So Dude, crazy. I know. He says, he, he says, I don't ride them anymore. I just polish them. And, <laughs> and it, it was awesome to take his bike away from him because all I have to say is, hey, John, you want to ride a 125? 
He's like, yeah, woo. I hopped on his bike and I was hitting all the bushes and like yeah. there might have been <laughs> there might have been like dirt dirt splashing up on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, he had the 125 for uh, and I was on his big old 450 on the uh, for the one section. I was like, I want to be on anything but a 450 for this. Yeah, it was that was in the wash in the canyon. Yeah, the when, rocks. We, when we were going up those like little ledges. Uh, little ledges. Yeah, Ugh. I don't think you want to be on the 125 there either. I mean, you pro- it's better than the 450. I, I would have much preferred the 125 over that 450. Yeah. So, um, Logan, you wish you were there. Uh, maybe. Why maybe? Depends on what you're going on. What kind of trail? Yeah. It was fun. Erica went. Oh, then probably yes. Oh, just because a girl went, you think you can make it now? Well, you're riding with Johnny Perkins, Matt Mattoon, and you. That's all I know that was there. Heather. Heather? Yeah. And uh, Hans. Hans. We had the whole prompt. We had the whole, like, prompt crew. You yeah. know, the people that don't talk about riding. We just ride. <laughs> yeah. Except for me. Um, yeah, next question. Uh, pretty Dan Good t- Adventures. Can you share a video or pick on how to disconnect the rear wheel sensor? Thanks. So he's talking about the uh, KTM 390 and um, the, the, so in, to, to eliminate the, the traction control from coming on, we actually pulled the rear wheel sensor out and I will, I will take a picture of how we did it. It was pretty hokey. You know, I just unscrewed the eight millimeter bolt, took it, zip tied it um, back to the thing. So a lot of times on a bike, when I'm testing it, if I have to keep resetting the ABS and or the traction control all the time, and on this bike, I was having to reset the traction control, which really bothered me because of a voltage problem that we outlined in our test. I just disconnected the sensor. It faulted the computer, and then magic. It was not a problem anymore. So uh, like the lawyers say, um, I don't recommend you try this, but you can. <laughs> uh, Speaking of the KTM 390, you also have a top secret uh, project for that, don't you? Top, I the have thing, the thing we talked about. The I don't remember the top secret project. You remember, Matt? My brain only works. The the, the script. Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. video. Yeah. Oh I, yeah. <laughs> I really think you should get on that. I think that actually be really good. Yeah, I know. And so does so does. Uh, oh man, I'm forgetting his name. The guy who helped me film film a lot of that. Uh, mm-hmm. I should I should really get on that. It's, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Get it. Like Cause I because we, we need that we need the video with. 300,000 views. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, that video is actually probably getting up there. It's our, it's our most, I think it's our most watched video right now is our KTM 390 video. Well, then this is going to, this is going to really be your most watched video then. Okay. So yeah. what do we, what do stay we, tuned. Stay tuned. What are we at next? Um, the CRF250L. KL brought mine for full blown off road. I love it since I put some killer tires on it. What are killer tires? Are they like the uh, <laughs> killer tires? He's, are they the tires with like the studs? Uh, I studs? No, I think he just bought some good. He probably put Kendas. Kendas on it. I'm thinking, right? Kenda gives us money, right? No, they support Jimmy Lewis off road training. Close enough. Which we, is yeah, which is al- which is almost like money if you know how many tires I go through. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, yeah. they're good tires. Yeah. I I I literally I think they are some of, some of if not the best tires when you're on the brakes of any tires I've ridden and. Mm-hmm. Especially the Parker DT, especially the front, and then also the Equilibrium on the back for a trials tire. It's one of the few trials tires that actually has some braking performance, and it's not really trials; it's a kind of a hybrid. But mm-hmm. um, I think I remember when you first were starting to get those. 
those uh, trial hybrid tires. The equilibriums. Yeah, yeah. Those are I, I like them because they you can go eighty miles an hour and the knobs don't go flying off and they they work they perform well. So it's a it's a good it's a good tire. I, I, it comes recommended from Jimmy. For take that for what it's worth. You're getting this information for free on the internet. So take that information for what it's worth. Except I truly, honestly believe almost everything I say, and that mm-hmm. included. We got to talk about like climb. We'll get that. Oh, there's climb in here someplace. Got to talk about recluse. I'm wearing a recluse hat. Yeah. Logan doesn't have a recluse shirt on, so I'm better than you. Right? You have a climb shirt on. That's a nice shirt. Those those are the ones that everybody wants, Matt. Yeah. Well, th- I got this one five years ago. Like, why? Why? Oh, because there was like this big meeting and uh, you went to a dirt bike test meeting. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think I ever saw. I don't think I saw a lot of those guys again after that meeting, but. No, some of them vaporized. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 hard to not make money on something that you should make money on that I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I might vaporize too. <laughs> well, the next ride the ride day after the meeting was actually pretty fun. So that's that's the job. Yeah. That's half well, that's half the job a quarter yeah. of the job. Well, I found riding the one twenty five and that's the job. Yeah. But but then you're now you're sitting down and struggling riding a test. Not struggling, mm-hmm. but it's work. Yeah, yeah. And we got to go shoot photos. Yeah. That will be, well, for one of us, it'll be work. You're sitting there looking like it's fun. Yeah. I don't care whether you're holding the camera or, I, or, or yeah. I'm holding the camera. A photo shoot is work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of fun, but then it's like, is it fun, Logan? Photo shoots. Um, You've done some with me. Yeah. You've shot some photos. Yeah. It was fun on the way there. <laughs> it wasn't not fun. Okay. I was well, still collect- riding a dirt bike. Collectively, so. that's a pretty good job, though. Yeah. 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 I've been doing it for too long. I'm just worn out. I mean, I because uh, the problem is if if I have to shoot the photos, I know I'm not that good at it. I know there's 100 people that are better than me, better than me at it. And generally, the person I'm shooting isn't as good as as me on the bike. Mm-hmm. That's, can I pat myself on the back from that? Well, yeah. I mean, I, okay, who, who at this table like podium day car? So no, but here, I mean, here's the problem is is so then I then I'm on the other side. Then you're now you're shooting me. Yeah, and I'm scared to do half the things I want to do on the bike because I don't want to get hurt and I know my reaction time is in and I want to do these crazy photos and do this stuff. I know how yeah. to put myself in the right position and all the and all the different things and do stuff. But like when you're doing those photos, you're kind of, you know, and especially now with running footage, you mm-hmm. have to look good going in and coming out. You don't have to look good for one five hundred a second. Yeah. Because I guarantee you in most of the photos you see of me on a motorcycle, you see that one banging photo that the, yeah. the one that just looks really good. Like you should see what I look like coming in and going out because it's not pretty. Well, I know one of the one of the uh, better pictures I got of you back when I still was in high school. Uh, you had literally crashed half a second after I took the photo. It was uh, d- one of the uh, WR two fifties, and it was in that figure eight over in the play area. Yeah, and it was, it was really it was a really good shot. Uh, bike position was awesome. Roost was awesome. But I remember the rear end just swung out just enough that the bike just kind of fell down. Yeah, but made for a good photo. Yeah, it looked awesome. The, the best pictures come from when you are going when about to when you're about to crash. <laughs> yeah, it's all fake. It's yeah, all yeah. fake. Smoke and mirrors. Well, I mean, you were able to you you you've throughout the years you've been able to get shots where I look like I uh, am actually a decent rider. So, mm. how about the promo for the for the for the last week's podcast? Yeah, yeah. Little do people know that I was like uh, oh. the whole time, and then boop. the whole like the the lead up to that, I have I have I have a series of five photos. 
Oh, you should post the other four. No, it's horrible. Like he's uh, he's wobbling. He's working. So what happened when he popped that wheelie is he was kind of getting himself going. He just happened to be kind of in balance when the tire like rolled off a rock and it, it got traction and like lofted. And he's yeah. like, oh, I got a loft. And he carried it for a second. Then he lost his balance and started shooting up because it was Boulder Field. It was yeah. It was just good light and pretty. And I said, go do this. And he's like, mm-hmm. really? What are you going to do? I go, don't worry about it. And he rode out. You know, he almost crashed, rode right up to me, goes, oh, dude, I screwed that up. I go, no, you didn't. I showed him the one photo. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my, how did that happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's photo shooting for, well, Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I even put, uh, I don't post on Instagram very often, but the, I think my last post was like, me at a motocross track, and I even put it, hey, this is the only corner I look good at this track, so <laughs> please give me validation. Yeah, last time Logan went to a motocross track, wasn't very pretty. Nope. Oh, is that where the knee happened? <laughs> still hurting. Yep. Still hurting. Yeah. Yeah. Blame the tires. Um, no, no, no. It was a um, mini was bike. A freak, a, a freak gardening accident. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> or a bizarre gardening accident, yeah. Let's see. Uh, KL wants to know about our CRF 250L. Are you using the stock tires? No, we're using killer tires. Just, just killer. Like, just like uh, KL is. Uh, oh, well, no, KL. That's He He did both those comments? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So here's the funny thing. So here's so three days ago, he said, bought mine for full-blown full off-road since I love... I love it since I put killer tires on it. But six eight six days ago, he commented, "Are you using stock tires there?" <laughs> and the answer is no. No, we are actually. Uh, Berm Cannon Mark put some um, STI tires on it that uh, that definitely improved the the performance because the stock tires are mm-hmm. they're more for riding on the street. So what's next about the KTM three ninety? Uh, Stephen HS eight eight two one. Why do oh, yeah, you, we all know that guy, right? Uh, <laughs> why do overweight, overweight bicyclists, especially in motocross, motorcyclists, care to care so much about the vehicle that they are riding than they could go on a four-week diet and lose as much or more weight? Bob. And be healthier... I have a 19-pound steel bike, one of the lightest steel bikes, and people will consult. Console me. That too bad you are riding such a heavy bike, saying my bike is only weighs only 16 pounds, to which I answer I weigh 140 pounds. Um. So he's he's talking about our KTM 390, which is. I don't remember. We, we were talking about the weight today. Like, because KTM actually publishes a much lower weight than we weighed yeah, at. That's yeah. mostly because we filled it up with gas and oil and oil and brake fluid and air in the tires. Yeah, there was air, not helium. Yeah, yeah, all this stuff. We put heavier tires on it. In fact, I put heavier tires and a slightly heavier wheel on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not complaining about the weight. Yeah, yeah. So the funny thing is, weight is good and bad. And we talked about this on this thing we were talking about today is mm-hmm. about how some. Like entry level beginner bikes, you know, maybe heavier than bikes that look bigger and much larger and competition bikes. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, sometimes that weight makes the bike feel planted and it helps it feel more stable and different things. But um, I think, I, I do think Stephen HS is healthy. I mean, like he's riding his steel bike around and he's talking about diets. 
Well, he's saying he's 140 we, pounds. We, we, we ride we ride dirt bikes. <laughs> we yeah. ride dirt bikes because we're lazy and fat and like to drink beer. Well, me and uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, the you know it, it it's a it's a matter of proportions at this point, and for sure, if you're you know if if you want to drop 10 pounds, it's probably a lot easier to drop it off your body, most of us, than it is than take it off the motorcycle. But in the factor of how much a motorcycle weighs in compared to your body. Um, I think it's a less of a less of a deal, but um, yeah, I don't I don't know about overweight bicyclists and motorcyclists. Um, I think they're just they're happy riding motorcycles, and that's cool. Um, <laughs> it'd be nice if they, you know, who knows? <laughs> just do it. Well, yeah, and and you can get quite the workout if you know the right trails. Hey, you can get quite the workout just riding your motorcycle at all if you mm-hmm. don't know how to do it right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What does Keegan Rouse want to know? Uh, just got mine. Thanks for letting me know exactly what I bought. Right. That's that's a that's a sign of a good video, right? If we let them know exactly what they bought, because he he he's got his, and now he agrees with us. So what does what say that Miss Missic Missic Sir Sir? Great review. Actually, this is the best review I have ever seen. Real. Full detailed review of the 2020 KTM 390 adventure. Thank you for a lot for that. Thank you for the opportunity to learn about this motorcycle. Now I'm thinking of buying it. Remember that board we were going to put up here? Check. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if anyone saw it in the video. KTM, yeah, you want to get back on the podcast? I, I was thinking, oh, go ahead, hey, let me finish that up. Um, I am a newbie to adventuring. That's why you should consider the 2021 Honda CRF2 300, 300L Rally. I don't know. I, that's a that's another good choice. You should watch the video that we don't have yet, but you know maybe we'll get one of those. Actually, Berm Cannon Mark is now touring around the world, which is to him Baja. Um, he's touring <laughs> around the world on that new uh, 125 What's the what's the the mini trail? What's the what's it called? I can't remember. My my mom actually had a deposit on one. The uh, the, the the new Honda one twenty five yeah. kind of like it's the Grom type thing. Or? No, not the Grom thing. They're, they're like the, a they're like a a tribute to the Trail nineties, right? I, I would know I would know this if they gave me a read to do about it. If I had a read about that bike, it's the trail ninety. Trail ninety, but it's a one ten. Okay, trail one ten. It looks just like a trail. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like a trail one ten. That's Maybe maybe you should get one of those at a beginner adventure rider. That'd be a great. That's a great. Those kind of bikes are really cool to get people into this sport because if you buy that and you go have a good time, it, and it's kind of for a real motorcycle guy, you'd have to have you and six of your buddies buy them and you go on these pack rides, kind of yeah. like what happened with the Groms. Yeah. You know, people mm-hmm. just took off and would go on those. But you do that a couple times and you're like, I need more. I need more. And now you're thinking, okay, CRF 250L. It's a stepping stone or mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like like most Americans, although he's he's from India, I think um, he would probably want to get a you know three two fifty to three hundred size vehicle. America, we would go. I want Africa Twin. I need eleven hundred cc's. Wait, yeah. I want a Goldwing with knobbies. <laughs> you would just yeah. go. You you would just go from one twenty five to give me the top fuel dragster. I'm driving to work. <laughs> Ah, so yeah, Honda bringing you the CR four hundred and fifty R. 
Uh, go ahead. Beta 300 questions. Uh, Rudolph um, Hessian? Hessian, yeah. Hessian, Second. you know what Hessian is? No. You don't know what a Hessian is? He hasn't studied European history yet. No, we're not talking about European history. We're talking about, like, heavy metal. Yeah, you know what a Hessian is? Do you have Hessians? Hessians at your school? No, see, because I, I, I immediately went, like, with what Bob was going with, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, it's it's kind of, it's like, like, come on, Jimmy. Back when we were in school, we long hair, fucking hard, excuse my French, hard rock, heavy metal. Yeah, Hessians. Yeah, they were, they were like, yeah, that's what they were called. Huh? Headbangers. Headbangers, yeah. But before headbangers, okay. they were, the Hessians were like more gnarly. They were into metal. Super metal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. But they all turned into like appreciation of certain type of music. Yeah. It's okay. It's it's history. Okay, Logan. What is what is what is Rudolph Hessian? <laughs> Want to know? Uh, sounds like Jimmy is transmitting from Dark Side of the Moon, Ori Basement. Uh, so he's in a rock, I guess. Dark Side of the Moon. That's Pink Floyd. That's yeah, like that's yeah. like classic rock. That's that's like the it's like the greatest album of all time, right? And he's talking about the Beta Three Hundred, and he's a Hessian, so I'm completely confused. Oh wait, he's slamming for for my sound quality. <laughs> I still want somebody. Yeah, <laughs> Logan's like Logan just got the joke. <laughs> Is have you watched that video? The Beta Three Hundred. Yeah. Where no. I ride it through the trees? I watched, um, like the... Like the first five seconds. The stuff you threw on seconds. Facebook. There, there was clips of that on Facebook? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like me riding through the trees on the Beta 300? Yeah. And and you only could watch like 10, 10 20, 15 seconds? And the sound just made you turn it off? Uh... It didn't look like a video game where I, if I would have been shooting zombies off the front of that beta, would you have watched it longer? That, that sure. W- that would be obje- okay, objectively next, that would be very entertaining. I'm making I'm making a Logan video for you. Don't worry. I'm going to shoot zombies off the next one. It might be my next um, my other episode on I've got you in my pocket. Do you follow me on Instagram? Uh yeah. Do you ever see I've got you in my pocket? Yeah. What does it look like? Um say my crotch. <laughs> darkness darkness yeah <laughs> but it sounds good that sounds okay right yeah i gotta figure this sound stuff out man i mean the audio we got today sounded pretty good because i because i i had someone that's like way smarter than me give me a couple tips on how to how to do it but mm-hmm. matt was my uh cameraman audio engineer on the project today and that's why the sound was good you'll figure this stuff out it's not that hard i learned some of it <laughs> Uh, next, uh, next, what are we at next? K-Team 300. Okay. Brian Lamprecht? Yep. On my 2018 six days, the clickers on the Explore Fork were completely useless. I ride a wide variety in Utah from high-speed desert to 10,000 feet single track to occasional MX track days. Overall, the stock suspension was better than expected, but after a year, there were issues that couldn't be fixed with the clickers. So I had Kreft put their guts in the Explore 
and revalve the PDS to my liking. Huge improvement, and the clickers finally do what they're meant to do. Love the spike. Man, uh, Brian, I hope I have the same experience. I, that sounds That's what I'm looking for. Um, I agree with you on the clickers. They, they, um, the, 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 the KTM clickers, 10 WP clickers in general, tend to work more on the, on the forks specifically, tend to work more in what we call the mid speed zone as opposed to the low speed zone. Um, I, I knew this from feel and it's been backed up from different suspension experts that have run them on dynos and tested different things. It's just the way they do things. And and we've just, I have, most of us have become so accustomed to turning a clicker and it's really low speed damping that if you are expecting that, it they are they are ineffective. Um, I've learned how to kind of tune them a little bit different. I use the, the rebound on a, on a WP fork more than I do the compression to adjust the compression. Because it seems like it actually, you know, if I stiffen up the, the rebound, it actually acts like more initial compression dampening. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. It took a lot of time for me to kind of figure that out and play with it. But um, this is, you know, so they're they're going to put it, I think they're going to try to, they have something called revalve control, which is mid-speed. They actually put a mid-speed control adjustment in there, and then they try to get the uh, adjusters back to conventional by adding some um, adjusters onto the fork. So it'll be pretty cool to come back and play with it. Um and then I can kind of report back to you on how all that stuff really works. So, next. Um, on show 88, Husky Hauler. I wear a climb technical shirt and pants with Pyron armor. Is that the same stuff you were wearing when you crashed? I'm curious how well it protects complete compared to the plastic armor without having to test it yourself, myself. Okay, so I was wearing the climb. I think they call it. I got always can get confused on the names of things, but I think it was the climb tactical shirt, the climb tactical undergarment, under whatever they call it. Oh wait, no, 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 no. The climb tactical shirt is the one that's like that. It's like a like a really gnarly net. So no, I was wearing. Oh, we went through this last week. I need to get name brands better. Um, it's the. It's the. I, and I think it has D3O, and that's why he said Poron, which is another kind of type of armor. Um, you, you're, you're searching this, Logan? No. We need to get you a computer. Well, then you'd be behind the computer. You'd be all, you know, down, down low. We couldn't see you and stuff like that. But you could kind of do what George is supposed to be doing, um, answering all these questions. So George can tell me what kind of um, – what shirt was I wearing? It's like trivia questions. What shirt was I wearing and what – protective padding did it have inside of it um those would be those would be good um things to know because my brain isn't functioning <laughs> properly it is but uh it no it wasn't i wasn't wearing the, the climb tactical shirt that's a great jersey by the way um and when it gets warmer that's what i start wearing almost all the time not so much for the armor but just in case i hook it on branches and stuff because it's literally if you're the guy that comes with that shredded jersey on the elbows and the sleeves um these those those climb jerseys are really really good because it's it's like the toughest it's also it's like wearing a jacket but they're vented and it's not like wearing a jacket in that essence jacket for protection without the jacket weight and bulkiness um so what's your favorite climb thing logan helmet the helmet the one that 
when you did your knee, you didn't get a concussion in. No. <laughs> so you wish Klein made uh, knee braces. Yeah. <laughs> right. Matt? Uh, the only thing Klein I've worn is that XC gear. Um, so, I I mean, I genuinely do enjoy that XC jersey. That yeah. thing... That thing's like a swamp cooler. That, that thing's awesome. Yeah, you, did, at you did a really good review of of that gear a few years back. I think it, I think it was like you, the first year that they came out with it too. Yeah, that was one of your first projects. It was yeah. good. You did a good job. Um, uh, let's see. Got got some things. Uh, people are still talking about Andrew Short's. Um, you know what would happen with the water? They wanted to know why he retired and stuff. And I guarantee you, he exhausted every um, avenue he had to keep himself going because you you just look at his history like last year he gave his wheel up he was still doing well and he gave his wheel up to one of his well kind of teammates it was it was it was a you know he, he he gave a rock star wheel to a red bull guy which was kind of an issue in the energy freak world mm-hmm. but in the in the team thing that was the thing to do yeah and and i and i know andrew i know how much he likes riding he wants to ride. He, he probably is more pissed that he's not getting to ride the rest of that race. Mm-hmm. And he would ride it as, quote, a water boy, um, you know, for his team mm-hmm. and and do that because he can, you know, he can be – he at that point, when you're, quote, a water boy, like, you know, KTM, um, uh, Matthias Walkner, Walkner is now kind of KTM's sort of water boy. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll be able to go and try to win stages when needed. But if he gets called into play to just make sure, like if Toby Price needs a fuse or if, if Sam Sutherland needs a bolt or something that fell out, yeah, he will be that guy to give it to him. And then he can just sit around and wait for the assistance truck, you know, or nurse the bike in. Mm-hmm. And, and Andrew would definitely, I know his character, he would definitely be that for his team. So he, he tried everything he could to get that thing going. And, you know, there's there's people talking about how, like, when enough water gets in a fuel pump, yeah, they break. And mm-hmm. it could have plugged the injectors and all the different stuff. But I, I somebody said that the bike um, uh, started up afterwards. Like, they took the – they got the ga- the water out of the gas and the bike started right up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not really uh, – I'm not really sure. I haven't. I haven't been following it that closely. I'm, it, it it makes me. It makes me. Uh, it makes me mad. And then there's a lot of um, a lot of stuff that they were talking about where you know they they wanted to neutralize the race at the CP where he got the bad gas and mm-hmm. then and then let, allow them to reinstate. But it only happened to a few guys, and Andrew's the only catastrophic one. So they can't really alter the race because yeah. there was guys out there winging it you know, trying to make time and stuff like that. You can't mm-hmm. alter the race for just one, you know, you kind of have to. Yeah, it, it's, I, I wouldn't, it's just a shitty situation. I wouldn't want to be in the, the organization in that. I'm sure, um, you know, they're, they're, they're talking about a lot of different stuff. People are asking. Uh, so David Castero, who's the director of the Dakar, actually he beat me. He, he, he took the spot on the podium that I wanted to have in uh, 97. Yeah. No, oh, really? He's the guy that, he's the guy that beat me there. I, I beat him in the, uh, John, here's here's Jimmy telling a Dakar story. So what one thing, and I talked about this on Jesse's podcast. Mm-hmm. The the one thing I loved is when they would start us all at once, like old classic desert race bomb run style. So we call yeah. it starting in a line, you know. And they don't do this very often on Dakar. And the only stages I've ever won on Dakar, by the mm-hmm. way, trivia fact, have we've started in a line. And you want to know why? Because someone that's faster than me can't necessarily beat me by following me. Mm-hmm. So 
So it was the first guy to the finish line. I was very aware of that. So I would just manage myself and pace myself. And when I saw a chance to break away with either navigation or to save myself so I could do the sprint into the finish, yeah, I was able to do that. I was good at that. Mm. And and so I could beat David Kester doing that. <laughs> he was on a twin cylinder bike too, by the way. I was on a single cylinder. But when you start him in a, when you start everybody in a line, and I wish they would do this because this would kind of that teeter tottering that's going on in the race. This would mm-hmm. throw a pickle into that. You'd have to strategize about this, right. and then and then essentially you're going to have a bunch of guys. It's just like Tour de France. Come on, you're ASO. You run this race. You understand. You just make it so you can have a really good sprint into the finish, and mm-hmm. you will get fireworks. Yeah, they say the race is boring leading up. Who? Everybody that watches Tour de France, they're watching the last 20 minutes. They're watching the jockeying and all that stuff. They don't want to know the six hours of suffering those guys went through, yeah. you, know, you know, hoping that there's a there's a crash in the peloton or maybe there's a breakaway to get a king of the mountain or something like that. Yeah. It, like, start them in a damn line, and, and then we can cut some of these strategies out, especially when you're in the sand dunes. So that's mm-hmm. Jimmy. I'm Jimmy Lewis, and I approve of this message. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I would not want to be um, in that position at this point. Uh, Dallas Steelbold says, Jimmy, does the tire rule only apply to rear tires? Uh, that's what I'm aware of is, yes, it's only rear tires. And they can take the tires off and put new mooses in them. So uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, you know, because the mooses will melt. <laughs> So, um, Skyler, the t-shirt salesman. Yes, Skyler, that's how he's supporting his Dakar effort. And I guarantee you that him selling t-shirts is not, is not even coming close to supporting him going over there. Um, he sells bikes. He, he's a, like a used car salesman hawking everything he can to get over there. And it's a shame that, that someone at his level has to do that. It is in, and I know exactly where he's coming from. And, and I, you know, I like Skyler. Um, I like his commitment. I like his motivation and stuff. And and I feel for him because I was in that same position. I I uh, luckily had the power of being at the world's largest motorcycle magazine to lobby into the the ring. But still, at that, it cost me like it cost me four thousand dollars to go get fourth place at Dakar. It cost me that much when the guys who finished in front of me probably made quarter million bucks and the guy who finished behind me probably made hundred grand. I got nothing. Cost me four grand. But guess what? At that point I said, I deserve a factory ride. I felt like it. And I had a factory ride the next year and I didn't go back. I said, no, put dollars next to that factory bike and entry and all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Like at this point, I want to make this my job. I want to go back to win. I really do. And, and you can't do that. He's in a position. He's in a really tough position because there's 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 riders that come with sponsors. They have whether it's an energy drink sponsor or 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 an oil company or an insurance company that come in and they can buy the ride. And the rider doesn't care about that stuff. They've got enough money coming in from their sponsor to make this all work out. You know, they're a marketable item in the United States. It's hard. Like Skylar Howes will go back to St. George, Utah, and he will assimilate back into regular. World. Ricky Brabeck came back into Hesperia life right after winning, winning Dakar. And although yeah. his phone was kind of going off because people wanted him, mm-hmm. he was still just regular Ricky Brabeck out riding mountain bikes, out mm-hmm. cruising around town, do, doing regular stuff. If if you're if you're you know Toby Price, I don't know. How, actually, I don't know how Australia works, but I know if you're Cyril Dupree and you go back to France or you're Mark Coma and you go back to Spain, 
you are on you're on the morning show, you're on the late night show, mm-hmm. you're you're on tour doing press. And so it's it's is a different it's a different culture, it's a different yeah. economy. And I feel for Skylar and and uh for in in that having to 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 sell everything to live his dream to go do this and it's so tough in his position to 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 you know, he doesn't get to train all year mm-hmm. and 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 these things and and at the same time, you know, it's there's there's ways that you can sacrifice on the other side to make stuff to make stuff work, but it's a tricky dynamic. But um, mm-hmm. uh, buy a Skylar T-shirt if if you're listening to this and you can uh, you can afford the twenty or forty bucks or whatever the heck they are. Um, especially, you know, <laughs> I'd put the order in now, and mm-hmm. if he if he wins this thing, is he leading right now? If he wins this thing, yeah, he should make a commemorative edition that nobody else can get for the guys that bought it early, right? Right. It makes something special for those people, and then and then when he goes and gets the factory ride, because if you win it, you will get a factory ride. I well, promise you. If he gets top five, would he get a factory ride still? Nope. Really? I think he has to win. He could finish second and not get a factory ride. Really? Yeah. I finished fourth and not got a factory ride. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I guarantee even second you would I you'd have to somehow you have to come with a lot of money. And the problem is is they also know if you went for free and got fifth, mm-hmm. you'd go for free to get fourth or third or second. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, maybe even first. I almost wanted to go back, but I just knew it what I once I got fourth, there was no second or third place. It mm-hmm. was win. That was the only thing I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. And this is the racer mentality. I wanted to, I wanted to go win, and and it took a couple of years. And then BMW came calling, and I didn't think it was real. Mm-hmm. And it was real. And it was we want to win, and I wanted to win. And like, okay, we made a deal, and it it was very good money. Mm-hmm. It was a really good, a really good program, and I I was going to win in two thousand two. I I was close to winning and. <laughs> I never had my name printed on top of the leader standings, but I know mm-hmm. at one checkpoint right before they had to airlift us over to to Libya, there was there was a point right before they neutralized the race that I had an eight minute lead mm-hmm. at a fuel stop. Yeah, yeah. Um and then my I actually had a problem with my bike. I broke a bolt, a bolt broke on my bike and I lost that eight minute lead. But I had it at one point. I was the, the general classification leader and we were going, I was the only twin cylinder bike going mm-hmm. and we were going into the place where that bike was going to annihilate everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I couldn't wait for it. And then it, it went away, but Hey, things happen for whatever reasons. And okay. I got third. I was pretty stoked. I mean, I was, I was pretty, pretty happy with that, mm-hmm. but that wasn't the goal. The goal was to win. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I didn't, that year I didn't think I was going to win. I was going to win the next year. I was always going to be, the 2001 race mm-hmm. because it was the first year on the bike really. And, you know, leading up to it, I, there was some stuff coming into it. I wasn't super confident in the bike and I knew it wasn't as good as it could be. The next year we had the bike, we had the team, everything was good. Mm-hmm. The race wasn't the right race. And then I crashed out before I even got a chance to prove all the stuff I just told you Yeah, yeah. to myself. But that's, so, so, you know, where, where he's at, I mean, there's a lot of decisions you can make and it depends on like, you know, is, is winning that race more important making money or making a future or making a living? And, mm-hmm. and, uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff going, you know, it depends on everybody's situation is uh, fluid and crazy. <laughs> so, right, so I, right. I, I feel for the guy and, and I, and I know there's a lot of hard work to be put in. And then it's, it's a, it's a conundrum that, that I've been in, into, I've managed it and I can see, you know, and, and, you know, Ricky was, was, 
lucky to pinnacle in his racing over here when he did because mm -hmm. there just happened to be an opportunity open for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, for with Honda to go and he 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 proved himself enough at each step of the way to get to where he was mm -hmm. and worked hard every step of the way to get there. Andrew Short worked. You know, if you look at Andrew's motocross history, how hard he worked to get to where he was in motocross. And you yeah. think, oh, he just slipped into this. Now, he put work in a long time ago at mm -hmm. other things to be able to kind of slide into this ride that people dream of. Yeah. And it wasn't like he slid in there and said, oh, yeah, I've made it. And he just like cruising. Mm -hmm. That guy's working harder than anybody else to, to get there. So it's... Yeah. it's if, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he show up to a Supercross race on a stock Honda at one point or... I, I don't... Like, I might be thinking of someone else, but I, I, I thought he had to... He, he worked his way up through the 250 ranks and stuff in, in a yeah. lights class or whatever it was called at the time to, 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 to build himself into. And then, you know, he got on the Honda factory team and won a, a lights, a 250 Supercross championship, a regional Supercross championship. Mm -hmm. And he was always kind of right there in the, you know, he was one of those guys right there for that, that long length of time yeah. um, in the in the premier class. And, and it's funny because, you know, I... I it, I didn't know him that well, you know, when he was when he was growing up and mm -hmm. stuff. I I knew I knew his I knew his wife's mechanic because he was my old roommate. Yeah, because his wife was a, a WMA, a pro motocross racer, mm -hmm. and and I'd run into him just here and there and stuff. But um, the <laughs> you, you hear about guys talking about racing against that guy. You didn't want to race against that guy. He was going to slam you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I heard he. Yeah. I, I know. He, I knew he rode a wide bike and stuff. But you know, now that I know him so well, mm -hmm. I can see it because you can see when he just he, he's so nice. But you can see him just stew inside and just get just. I would not want to be on the track next to that guy. Pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Let's see. We got any other any other good questions there? Um, not really. <laughs> not really. You've been. They're you've all been, just comments. They're all comments. Um, there's a there's a good one in here. No, the the iPad. iPad. Are the battery's running low. Is this means it's going to close everything off? <laughs> Are we going to lose the show? Oh man, how long ago did that come on? Here, you guys start talking. I'm going to plug this into something. <laughs> it came on not too long ago. Okay. You, were, you should have gone like this and waved in front of me. See if I just glossed off. <laughs> I was talking about the the day car dreams, though. Like, didn't want to ruin the flow. Well, I thought he didn't want to talk about racing. Oh, I talked about myself. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about myself. It's all cool. Uh, you know, keep going. Ask. You know, is there any good questions mm -hmm. in the chat room? That's what you're supposed to do over there. Let's see. I have this here. I don't want to unplug something that I shouldn't unplug because I could really run into. Jeez, that thing! There's so many plugs here. How do you work this whole system? Isn't it your system? This is really interesting podcasting. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine uh, if somebody is not watching this on the screen. Yeah. Listening yeah. to this right now. Well, they can probably you still two, hear you. You oh, yeah. two are holding the show. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So make it work. You guys are the professionals now. Um, it's called a learning moment, George would say. Well, oh, we could uh, we could do a drop for the uh, we could do a drop for the 450. Throwing things at him, man. I don't know how I'm going to make it reach that thing. I guess I'll just bring it over here. I'll just draw. I don't yeah. need to look at that thing. I hardly look at it anymore. Yeah, don't worry, folks. We're just we're low. See, low battery. Low battery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there we go. Plug in. How's it going? Um, we're pretty used to this stuff yeah. after you're remote working with the random people on Zoom conferences feeding their dogs. 
That's what you should do. You should bring your dog, Logan, and feed your dog live on the show. Make it more interesting. <laughs> yep. What's your dog's name? Um, Rocky. Rocky? What yeah. breed? Um, mutt. mutt. A mutt? One hundred percent bred mutt. Is it? Uh, does he have like a? I don't know. Is he like a like the? I don't know, like the dang, not the dangly, but like it's like scruffy kind of for mutt, or is he kind like? Of. Well, kind he's kind of smaller. Like kind smaller. of smaller. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we need to figure out how to make this uh, <laughs> better. If I have to go fix something, um, it's because somebody's going to leave this show to go eat burritos. <laughs> Who has burritos? Uh, let's Do see. Do they have enough for two? So Troy Hicks says the tacos at Skylar's Benefits were. Ride were tasty, and I tipped his fun $10 a taco. Okay, that is like, so he, he talked a little bit about that. So he's been on um, he's been on the Dakar Daily podcast talking about some of the ways he raised money and everything like that, and that's mm-hmm. that's uh, pretty good. Let's see, is I'm looking for a used KTM Model 500. Is there a year to avoid? So Chuck Fall wants to know that. Um, yeah, avoid every single one of them, and if you find a good deal, send it to me. <laughs> Send it to me, and I will. I'll verify whether it's a good deal or not. I'm 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 in the same boat. Uh, I hope something didn't break there. No, I think it's all good. I think it just. Let's see. It's just dangling. And then, oh, he had coffee too. So he had some raffle tickets and coffee. This is the we're in a different we're in a different era, and and times are different. I when I went to six days the first time, I changed tires. Yeah. To basically get money, and then I then I found this sucker named Bob. Mm-hmm. Who who donated a hefty sum to my? Uh, I want to. Jimmy wants to go to the ISDE account, and I still appreciate that, Bob. Oh uh, yeah. No, you did. No. Oh yeah. No, that's okay. That's no. One year, um, one of the early years before Chase, before I was on KTM, uh, you donated a pretty good amount to me, and then and then another year you paid for me to have a mechanic go, which is kind of strange because at six days you can't have a mechanic. But Bob knew I needed someone to look after me, or he wanted to sponsor Dave's. Yeah, he he wanted to he wanted to sponsor Dave Chase going to uh, going to God, where did Dave go? Australia. Australia. Yeah. Well, that was on the KX125. That was an expensive trip. Yeah. Oh yeah, I sold my KX125, and then the guy stiffed me at the last minute. Really? Oh yeah, because I brought one over in a box. Like, well, in, in luggage, we carried a motorcycle onto the plane, literally. And so we had a guy all arranged to buy it, and he knew that we carried on. He knew we couldn't take it back out. He knew there was no way that we – because he, he stalled, 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 and he knew it was illegal. And he's like, I can't buy this. It's illegal because its bike isn't imported, and he screwed us. But that trip got real expensive. I lost a KX125 in the deal, basically. I think I kind of gave it away. Uh, <laughs> Brutal. Um, what year was that? 1992. Okay. Let's see. Um, so somebody paid with a gun to send Skyler to the thing. Uh, John Perkins sends, uh, let's see, anyone on here with a bike? What does John Perkins say? A fence. Um, no. Uh, Heather's Heather's answering a lot of questions. <laughs> I don't, Heather's on the show. She, she, I hope she heard the answer to the question, Logan, about how to ride with your girlfriend. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Victor's uh, Victor's there. He's he's live from Mexico. 
the peanut gallery. Let's see. Uh, Curly says, I haven't touched my shock and I've got almost 200 hours on it. Don't judge me. You don't know my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, George says, get the Hondo Trail 125 for testing and Mojave Bob and I will ride it across country. He'll write about it. Do you agree on that? (laughs) Bob's just, hey, we made him be quiet. (laughs) We asked him a question. He was quiet. Um, uh, Victor says he'll ride it down to Miochicon, which is, uh, it's in Mexico. Let's see. So it is the Honda trail 125. So we're getting through the thing here. Uh, top DBT YouTube videos. It's the, uh, KTM 390 at 168,000 views. So we're almost as good as those other bald guys on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. You are a middle-aged guy from Southern California. <laughs> Do you see any other good questions coming here, Logan? You're supposed to be Not scanning really. those. They're all just kind of comments. And comments? Um, um, Todd Kelly, is it better to drain your carb or for stir- storage versus using stable? Man, that's a really good question. Um, drain your carb of gasoline or use stable. So I would actually use the... Uh, Chevron Tecron uh, Power Sports formula because that stuff has been pretty good for us. Oh, there's a bottle over there yeah. you can show. You know what? Don't show it. They should sponsor us. It's the last time I'm going to uh. say it. I'm going to say there's this really good stuff that I know about because I, I actually reached out to some of their people, but it's a big company. It just got lost. Mm-hmm. Their engineers, I talked to their engineers and they explained to me how that stuff works. Yeah. And why it works a little bit different and how it's different some of the other ones. And it really, it, it made sense. Mm-hmm. And my experience is that it also, it also works. I don't like draining the carburetors out because they dry out. And it seems like whatever that bad stuff is that's in there tends to rot the, there's, there's lubri- lubricity in some of the gasoline that stays in there. And it keeps the O-rings a little bit conditioned more so than the dryness rots them out. And when you drain it, the, the, the carburetor parts are now exposed to air and the ethanol that was in the fuel lines and stuff, and so it starts corroding the carburetor. So that's why they drain the gas out and they fill it up with stoddard solvent for long-term storage, the whole motor, everything. Right. And uh, Carl Fick is replying to the question about um, the KTMs. He says, avoid all 17 KTM and Husky 500, 501 FEs. Yeah, if you see any of those... Um, Please send them to me so I can uh, vet the owner and make sure that he's trying to scam you. Um, and uh, there's there's no reason why I would um, I would buy it out from underneath you because I'm I, I'm that guy. Um, yeah, he. I knows. thought you're switching your fleet up with uh, with Hondas. Oh yeah, um, I I, I uh, fuel injected ones only fuel injected. Ones. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you know a really good deal on a fuel injected, Big John should sell me his bike. He's, he's, no, I, I, I need more of the bikes that I have more. I have a lots of, I have a lots of, uh, parts for the KTMs. Not, not that many, but uh, I don't need that many. Actually, you don't need hardly any. So actually new bikes at all, you don't need many. So I have some old Sierra 450 X's if you want to buy them. KTM, old RFS KTMs. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty good. So, wow. Did we blast through another show, Logan? Yeah. We did it? Mm-hmm. Um, what time are you going to be here tomorrow? 
They seem to be pretty stoked that you got it up on time. I didn't look at the comments, but actually, we got a lot of comments uh, right after you put that up on the, the the show. We got them right away, but we didn't get the usual comments from all your girlfriends because now they know you're taken. It's I'm serious. <laughs> like you remember how we got all those ones with the like the legs, yeah. the legs spread and the big old lips and all that stuff. And it was from a name that was kind of hard to pronounce, yeah. but it was like Jenny Smith or something. Yeah, we don't get those anymore. I'm not sure why. It's uh, changing up. So, uh, okay. Anybody else have any other questions that we can answer, Matt? Uh, actually, so you brought up the uh, RSF uh, KTMs. Um, RFS, yeah, RFS. That's, the older, that's the older ones. Yeah, I always get those mixed up. Uh, do you still like recommend those as like uh, good used bikes, or are they just starting to get a little too old? Um, you know, I just <laughs> a guy a guy just emailed me because he bought a really cherry. I think it was a two thousand and one five twenty five. And he was like, should I, I got it for, you know, two grand. Should I sell it? I'm like, two grand, you got it. It's a steal. If it's, if it's as good as he said, but he was, he was kind of upset because he couldn't find a large gas tank for it. And I'm like, just search around. You'll find them there. There, there are plenty of people that blew those things up Mm -hmm. and, and, or they sold them a little bit worn out. There's something wrong with them. They sold them. And there's a lot of guys that are parting these bikes out. Because yeah. there are some parts, because KTM, I think, I think manufacturers are committed to making parts for like ten years or something like that, and we're twenty years out. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of parts in those bikes that you that you that that you may not, you may think you may not be able to get, but you can find them. Yeah, um, I still know that a lot of times on I go back and look on the parts fishes and stuff like that. But any of the high wear stuff, stuff that you're really going to use. Mm-hmm. If the manufacturer doesn't take care of it, the aftermarket will because they're out there and they, right. they they pay attention to how many they're selling of things. I guarantee you can find like you know the stuff that you need to keep one of those things running for a long time. And then mm-hmm. and, and in reality, that's not why I'm selling them. I'm selling them because I'm trying to get rid of carburetors. Yeah, yeah. You want fuel I, injection? I would rather just kind of have fuel injection problems that mm-hmm. uh, I haven't had too many of. Although, if you read the internet, if you get a fuel injected bike, it's it's only going to run for one year. And it's going to stop running. So that's why you should sell it to me. <laughs> yeah. And if you have a fuel injected two stroke, it's way past its prime. Mm. You should sell it to me. I'm, I'm looking for a 300. Um, and George just pimped my riding school. Riding school? Yeah. Yeah. You, you're going to work for me this year, Logan, or are you quitting? Well, I'm trying to work for you. Trying to work for me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next sold out class is when? You have it on your calendar? January 14th. I think fifteenth and sixteenth, but yeah. it's close enough. Yeah, good. You're, it's on your it's on your list. You're gonna hobble around. You know what? I'll bet you if you talk to Nate nice, he'd let you drive the truck. You could drive the truck, and he'll sit there, and then when you get caught, he'll act like your senile old grandpa. <laughs> and and the I promise you, the sheriff will let you go, and your dad won't know anything about it because it's like it's kind of it'd be kind of cool. Well, you were gonna drive the truck for me last class too. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't? Did you, did you know about that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll make him drive dirt the whole way. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've actually been very, uh, very lucky in all my years of being associated with riding school. I've never been in the truck with Nate driving. But you've heard it drive. I have heard it, it drive. Sounds like kind of like a trophy truck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I've seen it coming and I've seen it going. Yeah, not his gas, not his truck. Guy that used to like race dirt bikes. Crazy Nate is his name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good, yeah good, good oh, times. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, do we blast through all the comments and concerns and um, questions? There's a couple in the chat room. Okay, you you get a start. Um, actually, do this read right now, and I gotta I gotta go find that thing about the because I have some really good information that Chris Real gave me about uh, the the new pending no the new two stroke uh, or red sticker essentially red sticker green sticker two stroke uh, regulations. So I got a really good question. This somebody asked me. I think it was on Facebook about. They said, hey, I have a um, – uh, no, they said, why can't they make uh, the two-strokes, like, legal? Why can't – for emissions and mm-hmm. stuff? Because we all know that when they're warmed up and they're running properly, they're actually pretty clean. They're not that dirty. Yeah. It's because of startup. When you start them up, they're dirty, quote, dirty when they start up. They, 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 there's a lot of hydrocarbons mm-hmm. and other stuff in it, and it can't – they can't pass – there's a way to do it. They – I know about this technology. I know what they it's it's heavy and it's expensive and it you at this point you might as well just have a four stroke. But um because they can make the four stroke startup clean. That's just part of the deal. So um that's the thing. So talk about our sponsor, Honda. It's up on the board. Yeah. Right. Um Honda's new twenty twenty one Sierra four fifty R is designed to take you straight from the starting gate to Victory Circle. This awesome open-class motocrosser features all-new chassis, a major major engine overhaul, new suspension, and new bodywork. And you can forget about clutch fade, adjustment, or hand fatigue with the new hydraulic clutch system. Lighter than ever, the Sierra 450R explodes out of corners when it's time to increase your lead. So get down to your local dealer and check out the 2021 Honda Sierra 450R Go to mxhonda.com to see our full lineup of competition bikes. And the CR450R is for? Closed course operation only. Right. Okay, so um, this is from the California Air Resources Board. All of our, you know, it's if you're in California, you have to deal with this stuff. But the reason I bring this up on a show that's, you know, so worldwide spread, nationally acclaimed, mm-hmm. is because... What these um, d- d- bureaucrats do is um, it spreads. It spreads because they they they're doing it. It's like it's like feeding the children, which I think is good, and don't club baby harp seals, which I think is good. And that's those are good things. So they mm-hmm. they're doing the same kind of work here. And these this is the um, sort of the 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 questions the the questions that we're we're being asked or asking. So it's, can I still ride my red sti- sticker vehicle recreationally? And so the answer is yes. Owners of red sticker vehicles, and so a red sticker is, quote, non-emissions compliant. It's a competition bike. Mm-hmm. You can still use them on public lands through 2024, sub- subject to the same seasonal restrictions that have been in place for many years. On January 1st, 2025, the seasonal riding restrictions will end in red sticker vehicles that are model year 2021 or prior, so this year or older, can be operated year-round on public lands statewide, just like green sticker vehicles. That's a good thing. Yeah, so there's no more seasonal restrictions. When the red sticker season riding restrictions end in 2025, will I receive a green registration sticker for my off-road vehicle? You will not automatically receive a new registration sticker on January 1st, 2025. Instead, you must renew your registration 
upon a normal timeline every two years, you will then get a valid OHB registration sticker in the color of their choosing, which means they don't have a color anymore. Your vehicle will have the same year-round access to OHV riding in areas after the January 1st, 2025, regardless of the color of your sticker. So it's grandfathering in all older bikes to be able to be ridden all year long. Can I sell my red sticker vehicle? Yes, you can still sell it. Will the new regulations lower the resale value of my red sticker vehicle? Probably not. <laughs> they, 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 they make a lot of re, they make a lot of backstepping here to make sure that they can't be resp- held responsible for that. It says there is no reason to expect that the resale values for these vehicles will decrease. Uh, that's true. Can I still buy a new red sticker vehicle? New red sticker vehicles can be sold in California through model year 2021, beginning with model year 2022. No new red sticker vehicles will be sold in California. All model year 2022 and later OHVs must either meet applicable emission standards or must be race vehicles used exclusively for competition off a public highway. So means they're not going to give you for a competition vehicle. You're not going to get a quote sticker of any type to use it off. So there's a whole bunch of other things. Um, you know, and they say, will I still be able to buy the model I want, which means if I want a competition vehicle. And it says, it says the regulation was designed to provide manufacturers with the flexibility to certify a wide range of OHRV, off-highway recreational vehicles, to meet applicable mission standards, including high-performance models that have historically been sold as red sticker vehicles. Starting in 2020, we expect to see an increase in the number of green sticker models available in California dealerships. Well, that didn't necessarily happen. <laughs> the reason is because they kept changing the regulation and it was difficult. Like Yamaha, their WRs went from green sticker to red sticker because it didn't have the evaporative stuff it needed. So um, this trend should continue in subsequent years as manufacturers develop and clarify and, and certify even more emissions-compliant vehicles. California's emission standards for off-highway vehicles in model year 2022 and beyond are closely aligned with federal standards, so the range of models available in California should be identical to what is available in other 49 states today. That's the one you other states need to pay attention to, including us in Nevada, because, like I said, it spreads the stuff that that happens um, could uh, affect what we're going to be able to get because you think about it, the manufacturers sell a bulk of their vehicles in California and if they can't sell a bulk of them someplace they have to sell them someplace else they have to make ends meet by selling them everywhere so here is where you know they're going to have to think about do we want to make this and can we sell enough of them is it going to be profitable so um, pay pay attention to this so Logan tomorrow when you're putting this up, make sure we have a very detailed discussion about green sticker, red sticker stuff at the end of the show. So that's a that's a note for you to to write on there because this is this is important stuff. I mean, it's to kind of determine what we're going to be able to ride in the future. It's going to determine what you get to ride in the future. When we were talking about electric bikes a couple yeah. weeks ago, mm-hmm. and, and we're like, I don't know about that. And I think it's going to get better. And that's I think they're they're banking on people are going to go a little bit electric with some of this stuff. I don't think so not just yet but it's coming 
So um, let's see. It talks about using uh, 2022 models for high performance for competition. It says, yes, carbon emission standards do not apply to vehicles that are used solely on closed courses and in competition events. Manufacturers may continue to offer competition-only models for sale in California once the sale of new red sticker vehicles ends in 2022. These competition-only vehicles will not be eligible for OHRV registration, green sticker or red sticker, and cannot be used recreationally on public lands outside of competition events. That's important, outside of competition events. CARB is working with OHRV land management agencies and race sanctioned bodies to help ensure that adequate opportunities exist for competitive red uh, competitive riders to practice and prepare for competition events once the red sticker program ends. This is where there's some debate. You know, this is where, you know, you as off-road vehicle users and people that like to ride competition bikes need to make sure you stay involved in the process with your 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 um, groups and things to make sure that you don't lose the ability to be able to use your bike. Yeah, so we're still going to be able to go to Glen Helen and to Paris Raceway or wherever, when as long as those places still exist. But if you start losing those places, where else are you going to ride? This is this is kind of important. And so here's the big the big one: are two-stroke vehicles being eliminated? Right, everybody wants this. This is interesting. The regulations do not prohibit future sales of two-stroke OHRV. Most current two-stroke models do not meet emission standards, but cleaner two-stroke technologies exist that could allow for emissions-compliant two-stroke models in the future. So this is the first time we've heard them say two-stroke without saying it's a bad word. They're now acknowledging that, hey, we're smart enough to make clean-burning two-strokes, and we could. And so two-stroke, this is this is this is a big step forward because the word two-stroke at EPA is is been the worst word ever. That's why the orbital engine is called an orbital engine. What is it? It's a two-stroke. But they never they won't even call it a two-stroke, they call it an orbital. So anyway, back to the thing. Manufacturers must decide whether to bring cleaner two-stroke models to the California market once the red sticker program ends in 2022. Higher emitting vehicles that do not meet emission standards, including conventional two-stroke models, may continue to be sold for competition use only. That's a big sigh of relief. You'll still be able to get your two-stroke for competition use, but you can't ride it legally in off-road. You know, it, it needs to be used at a closed course competition facility or track or however they decide to determine what that is. So hopefully that's been a little bit of a... Uh, insight and knowledge on what's going on in the golden state of regulation and uh hopefully uh things are going good for you in that uh take that i bet you they're going to bring a bunch of 2021 two strokes in <laughs> i want one i'm actually you know if i hope they bring a ton and it just drops the price down but if you have a like i said two years old so if you have a nine nineteen two thousand and nineteen 2019 ktm 300 I think it's completely outdated and worn out. You should email me, mm-hmm. and maybe I could make an offer on it. Um, or if they have any 125s, they should reach out to me. 
Right. Uh, it's looking for a 125. And George, yeah, um, your bike is, I don't even recognize it anymore. <laughs> it's 300. <laughs> it's in my thing. So, uh, hey, uh, good times, everybody. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, lots of uh, lots of good info, lots of input tonight. Thank you, Logan, for uh, joining the show. Was I nicer to you this week? Yeah. Really? Nobody even said I was mean to you last time. No. No. Uh, you're, you're bummed. Is your girlfriend watching yet? Uh, no. No. It's okay. My girlfriend doesn't watch either. You have a girlfriend? Yeah, yeah. Okay, just checking. You don't act like it. It's not like it's not like you have to run out of here to go chase her down, like Logan. You went to what time is your texty session coming, or what do you got going? The what? The texty? Don't you guys texty? What do you ch- chitter chatter room, or what do you call it? <laughs> I gotta quit picking on you. Okay, okay Logan. We'll okay, see you. boomer. <laughs> we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you uh, early tomorrow morning. Uh, again, thanks everybody for joining in, and we will. Uh, See you on the trail. Cheers. Hey, Jimmy, why would anybody want a left-hand rear brake? Well, Logan, you think about it. If you've got a recluse clutch in your bike and you toss the clutch lever away because you don't need it anymore, it's just like your bicycle. You like a brake up on your handlebar, don't you? Yeah. So it's the same theory on the motorcycle. It just gives you another level of control. Now, it's different, and you have to get used to it like anything, but it's a product that Recluse makes. They're in their third generation of these things now, and they're getting way better. So if you are looking for another way to control your motorcycle, uh, turn to Recluse for the left-hand rear brake kit. And it's available for most current dirt bikes.